Welcome back to Arts About. Show about arts, it's a work of art in itself. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, John. And Bonjour, Mark. Comment ça va? Ça va très bien, merci, John. Ah, that's so lovely to hear those Sally? tones. Yes, I'm quite well too. Thank you very much. You're listening to Arts About, which is brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And you're back here with us in the Audible Peace Studios with artist in residence and cultural sounding board, John Baird. The thermodynamic Mark Stewart and me, as always, Sally Bailey. Tireless. Tireless, as always, yes, I should say. Uh, What are you going to be on about this week, John? Uh, I've spoken on many occasions, I think, about Pellegrini's in Melbourne. Oh, yes. So I'm going to weave it all together a bit. Oh, a massive segue. So that it can culminate in something that happened there recently. Oh, very good. Okay. A little bit like a lasagna. It's going to be layer yes. upon layer. Yes. Layer upon layer. Very much like a lasagna. But, and we're in the bechamel today, Mark. <laughs> 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 Wonderful. What about, what about you, Mark? Um, I'm going to talk about the fact that apparently not enough people died this uh, winter. The funeral oh. parlours are not happy. Oh, um, dear, oh dear, really? They, yes, they're complaining that... Um, they're complaining that uh, the Business flu is vaccine, bad. No, the flu vaccine has was been effective. too successful, and uh, they want to put a stop to it. Oh, they're looking they, back on the good old days when everybody was really sick, exactly. as were we last and year. It was a very mild winter as well. Oh, uh, okay. But so, I think the vac- I think they got a slap over the wrists over those vaccines, didn't they? Uh, I think that was the year before, wasn't it? No, it was no. Yeah. Well. Possibly. Anyway, well, they're, they're complaining. So they're, okay, so, so we're going to hear about that. We well, that's good. Is there any relationship to art in that? Well, science more so, because okay. the only way of not having a, a funeral is by giving your body to science. Ah. So it doesn't cost your, your inheritors you know, 15, 20 grand oh. to bury you. Oh, that's interesting to yeah, know. So you can do that if you like. Okay. What does science want with you? Uh, well, not me in particular, anybody who's, who's prepared to give their body away and, and uh, to be, I guess, you know, studied. Put in a vitamizer and... Well, I don't know. I mean, anatomy... A Petri dish. (laughs) But it's a great way to save that money. Mm. Yeah, okay. There's a tip. That's a good tip for you. I intend to do that myself. Today on the show, we're going to hear from local artist and engraver Perry Fletcher. He has an exhibition called Tranquil Serenity coming up at Oak Hill Gallery on the 4th of November, alongside the Mornington Peninsula ceramicists, who at the same time have an exhibition called Earth into Water. And joining us in the studio, they're all coming into the studio, or several of them are coming into the studio this week. First up, we're going to have Perry and Yvonne Watson, who's the gallery manager and coordinator of the arts program. And then we're going to be talking with Prue Scott and Susan Drerup about their exhibition. Who are they? Also, uh, the program coordinator for Open House, Brianna Carroll, is going to be on the line with us to let us know about Open House Bendigo. The inaugural Bendigo-based version of the Melbourne counterpart is open over the weekend of the 27th and 28th of October and includes the RACV Tiny Home, which is a design collaboration and partnership with Australian architect and grand designs host Peter Madison, challenging the way we design and live in our homes. Um, visitors to the latest in home will see the latest in home technology when the concept dwelling takes up residency for the weekend in the heart of the city and that sounds really fabulous so uh, if you missed it in Melbourne it was in Melbourne as part of uh, Open House Melbourne um, earlier on in the year if you missed it then there's another opportunity to see it Melbourne Festival's over, and I hope some of you got to see some of the wonderful things on offerings. Uh, um, I didn't get to see nearly as much as I would like to have, unfortunately, but uh, there's always next year. Here is the extraordinary Laura Pergolizzi. I'm not sure if I say her name correctly. She's an American singer and songwriter who goes by the name uh, and records under the name LP. She's released four albums, and uh, she's written songs for lots of other artists, including Cher, Rihanna, Backstreet Boys, 
Boys and Christine Aguilera. Here is a track of hers called, I think it's her latest single actually, it's called Girls Go Wild. Right next door to the MPRG, the Oak Hill Community Arts Cooperative is a not-for-profit organisation run by volunteers and is a community access space for hire and showcase of affordable art. Coming up on November the 4th are two new exhibitions that are going to be opening there. First is Perry Fletcher. He has an exhibition called Tranquil Serenity. Perry, or Fletcher the Etcher, as he is commonly known, is an engraver and passionate artist, so says the flyer, and he's here with us in the studio today, along with gallery manager Yvonne Watson to tell us about his show. Good morning, both of you. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Sally. How are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks so much for coming into Arts About. Uh, Perry, your show opens very soon, and from the look of the flyer, it's more paintings than etchings this time. Is that right? Uh, yes. Last time, uh, Sally, I had uh, an exhibition through Yvonne. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was probably 50-50, but on this occasion, there's quite a few um, seascapes, landscapes, and generally colourful, peaceful scenes, which thus the title um, Tranquil Serenity. Absolutely, and my guess is that that follows, very much follows a theme in a way of all of your work, which is that there is a great meditation in, in the production of it. Is that right? Yes, a lot of artists uh, have particular subjects, whether it be animals, um, seascapes, flowers, whatever. Well, mine is, 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 I'd like people to be able to hang my, my paintings in their lounge and feel tranquil. Yeah. To give peace to people, and, that, and in painting that, then they give me peace as well, Sally. Yeah, I bet they do. And I met um, Yvonne um, actually through engraving, <coughs> pardon me, through her husband, um, and I'd always liked Oak Hill. I don't particularly like exhibiting, Yep. but I found Oak Hill a fantastic gallery. It's community-based. Yes. It's got children painting when I go down there, adults painting. There's classes of every description. Yep. And it's so homely. Every time I've gone there, I feel... As though um, I love the place, mm. I love the people around there, they're very natural. And so I also painted the Oak Hill Gallery itself, which ah. I don't know if any other artist has ever done. Oh, that'll be good, Yvonne. So I bet that'll, that'll be going straight to the pool room, won't it? Lovely, yes. It's a wonderful piece. <laughs> now, Perry, so are there any etchings in this particular exhibition at all? Yes, I've got quite a few, Sally, of... Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, okay. Quite a few of... Um, Sort of crystal pieces, which I love in swans, uh, roses, clipper ships, eagles, anything that um, is in third, uh, third dimension, I call it, sculptured mm -hmm. in crystal. Uh, there's a lovely piece of gold with uh, little cherubs on. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a stone engraved with a nice rose on it. Um, and, yeah, generally show, oh, there's an emu egg with the Australian coat of arms on so in this exhibition of Tranquil Serenity, Sally, I'm also trying to depict um, the variety of my art, which I, I like to show to people as well as painting. Fabulous. Uh, opening on the 4th. Um, now, uh, you're extraordinary. You, you've been on the program before quite a few years ago we, and uh, with Swanee and I, I think you probably all remember that. We were talking about your great big, your last supper. Uh, now, I know that that's been hung in the Royal Children, or the Royal Hospital. Is that right? Is that the uh, Royal Al the Alfred? Been, fortune has been written up all around the world in 250 mm. countries, which has been um, a bit of a bonus, as well as being in, on display in Queen's Hall Parliament House for three years. And following that, it was on display in St Vincent's Hospital to help the sick. St Vincent's, And yes. then transferred to the Alfred Hospital, ah, where ah. it's helped the sick. Presently, we're trying to get it uh, back into the Alfred to help the sick. There's a person on a mission there. 
Wonderful. But um, yes, that was a six-year job I, I, I did when I got back to Vietnam. Was previously on a show at Oak Hill uh, a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. I had an exhibition with Yvonne. Yes. But this time I've got two lovely prints which I'm going to put on display um, with the exhibition as well and they will be for sale. Wonderful. Um, now, Yvonne, you must have your hands full. Two exhibitions opening on the, at the same time. Very, two very exciting exhibitions, yes. actually. The, um, the Perry's, Perry's work is always very popular, and he's had this is his third exhibition with Oak Hill, mm-hmm. and um, they're very well received each time his sellout uh, shows. So we're most fortunate to have Perry with his great diverse work back again this time. So we're looking forward to it. Now, Oak Hill, as Perry has alluded to, you run classes there and uh, it's a space that artists can exhibit their own work. Um, uh, It's almost a studio for hire at times, as well as you curating these shows. That's right. It's an affordable art space for Mornington Peninsula artists and also outside of Mornington Peninsula area. We're booked out. We've been booked out all this year and we've got a pretty full calendar next year so it's a really popular exhibition space also a creative space we have a variety of classes as you mentioned and um, the openings that we have are really exciting the opening that's coming up on the 4th we're having those blokes um, a local um, band they're coming to play and also we have our artist market for the second second time this year last month we had the artist market and artisans from Mornington Peninsula and Surrounds set their tables up in our front garden and uh, sell their wares to the public. So it was a real party atmosphere, and we're hoping for the same on the 4th, weather permitting. Yes, weather permitting. Well, that, that is fantastic. It sounds like it's an extremely vibrant community down there. And uh, at the same time that Perry's exhibition is opening, so is Earth into Fire, and we have two of the... This is a ceramics exhibition, and we have two of the ceramicists here in the studio, two with us today, and that is uh, Prue Scott... And Susan Drerup. Hi, welcome, and thank you so much for coming into the studio today. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, what are we going to see, Prue, if we come along to see uh, your exhibition? Well, we're actually a group of um, ten ceramicists, and mm-hmm. we range from um, traditional pottery and throne work to sculptural work, some on quite large scales, and very dramatic work, some of it. So uh, we're hoping that uh, it's a good eclectic mix, we're hoping. How many did you say? Ten. Ten. Ten different ceramicists. Yes. Mm. And has this group come out of uh, the classes that, that Oak Hill holds, Sue? I suppose um, originally... Many of the members would have, uh, I don't know if they've done classes at Oak Hill, they've certainly done classes at Dramana Potter's group, but these, um, but we're exhibiting independently. I think all the artists work independently do, of oh, do they? any facility. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a group who've met through the Dramana Potter's group, but it's not an exhibition on um, being run by them. We're, we're we are exhibiting at Oak Hill. All independent as, artists. As, mm. as independent artists working in collaboration to produce mm. um, an exhibition. But everybody's work is different. And uh, Yes, well, that was my next question. I assume mm. it is all very different. Well, um, as, as Prue said, they're large sculptural pieces. Um, some of them are realistic. Rosemary has... Um, Rosemary makes most beautiful sculptures of little children and then Prue does a more abstract work. Maybe Prue should talk about that. 
Uh, well, there, there are two pieces in here um, that you've brought in with you today. Uh, yes, we've only brought very little. Are they yes. one of each of your works? Well, yes, the, and the reason that we brought that in, because as uh, Perry alluded, the... Um, Especially when you're working with abstract ideas, uh, it's best to get a feel and a, 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 a visual aspect on it because it's ad, abstract by nature is not something that you would put into words. It's mm. really a visual thing, and um, it's being, and an emotional thing too. Oh, it, it brings yeah. up all sorts of things, and I suppose for us as ceramicists, we're dealing with a raw material which is basically earth. It's just come straight out, and we've created these magnificent pieces. And uh, some are quite rough and rustic. Others are very fine and delicate, made out of ceramics and with fine gold gilding. And so it, it's an endless variety. And we're actually very proud, really, the ten of us, that to put together the variety that we have. So uh, Incredible. And so which can you... Um, I'm going to take a photograph of you before you leave, <laughs> holding your piece of work so that our listeners exactly. can know what we're talking about. Because oh, okay. Sure. It is hard. <laughs> That's one of our great challenges on Arts About, is we are often talking about the visual. Mm. So um, uh, can you tell me which is your well, piece, Sue? I think, I think for all of us, the magic of working with clay is that you take, as Prue said, a lump of earth, something which is is amorphous and it's entirely up to you and your imagination and your skill to transform it into something which is um, which in the end bears very little relation to the original piece mm. of earth so I've been working with porcelain which is a, a very fine white clay which originates um, originally it came from China although the porcelain we have now comes from um, Tasmania it's a wonderful body oh, developed it? by Les Blakeborough and um, the the magic of porcelain is that one can work it to a very to an eggshell thinness, mm. and it's quite translucent, so you can actually see yes. through it. Um, and of course, but it's it's extremely difficult to work with. It breaks easily. It crumbles. It cracks. It's temperamental, and so that's part of the challenge: is to actually. Um, work it to a point where it's not going to fall apart in your hands <laughs> yes. and retain its shape. And, and come out of the kiln looking like you meant it to. And there's a first firing and a second firing, mm. and you might be success, successful with the first bisque firing, and then the second firing um, can be... Uh, it, it's No wonder prayers are said to the kiln gods, because you mm. hope that it's not going to crack and break in the second I'll firing. Bet. So every, every firing is an achievement. And uh, Prue, your piece, which is quite different... Uh, it looks like an uh, looks like you're playing with insides and outs and sure. The, so I've used two different types of clay on on this work, and and I actually started to venture into um, almost like organic shapes. And uh, one one of the things with working with clay, it can be actually very. Um, almost, it's very engaging. It's almost like meditative. But any potter will tell you 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 need to sort of master your material to a certain degree and what's been happening with my work is that I'm, I'm mastering it as far as my skills go but then allowing the clay to speak as well so that's why we get these very kind of almost um, uh, 
opposing kind of feelings. It's almost like a delicate and beauty, but you've got this rustic, Mm. rough, very tactile. Well, I would also say there's a certain amount of irony in this too, because (laughs) it it looks like wood. You know, it it, it, it looks like a piece of organic Mm. uh, a tree. Yes, as a group, we've kind of been... Yeah, we, we don't know how to describe this work, to be honest. It's, it really is going into quite abstract ideas. I think, mm. what did you say, Sue? It was I, sort of. I said, <laughs> I said that um, Prue's pieces for this exhibition are a reimagined underwater world <laughs> where you have got coral luck and sinuous forms, mm. which, um, which they're, they're not. Uh, they're not realistic in any way, yeah. and yet they definitely reference um, anything any of us who've been diving at the Great Barrier Reef might have seen ah, yeah. in terms of yeah, so and substance or lack of it. So I think for me it was sort of like, they're, well, they're not geological and they're not biological and they're not... They're not marine pieces or anything so but that is the thing with abstract it's really what the viewer sees is what the person is seeing so and and that's for me that's part of my artistic kind of charter really Mm -hmm. is that it it is what you want to see so um, everyone's right (laughs) that's good well there's a great intro to uh, suggesting that perhaps you might all get down there and have a look it sounds as if uh, Oak Hill is presenting some incredible things down there Uh, by the way do you have does Oak Hill have a a kiln do you do you fire down there as well yeah, come in. Sorry, Yvonne. Yes, we do have two kilns, but we're just waiting for the three thousand power to be connected ah. to make them work. We need perhaps a donation to pay the $12,000 fee mm. for power. Donations required. Well, it's such a great organisation. There must be somebody out there with deep pockets. Uh, so... Two, two fabulous exhibitions opening there in a little over a week's time. Perry Fletcher's Tranquil Serenity and Earth into Fire. The um, ceramic exhibition, fantastic. Thank you so much, all of you, for coming in today. Thank and you. I'll put links on our Thank Facebook you, page for listeners if you would like to find out a little bit more about Oak Hill. There's all sorts of different ways to get involved at Oak Hill. There's certainly classes and exhibitions and uh, administration requirements, I would have thought, too. Thanks again for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. It's Open House Bendigo next weekend, 27th and 28th of October, and the RACV is taking their tiny home uh, there for the inaugural Open House Bendigo Weekend near the Queen Victoria Gardens for that week, whole weekend. So if, as I said earlier, if you missed it in Melbourne, you have another chance. Uh, the Tiny House is a design collaboration and partnership between Australian architect and grand design host Peter Madison and the RACV and challenges the way we design and live in our homes. Program coordinator Brianna Carroll joins us this morning online to elaborate. Good morning, Brianna. Hello, Sally. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, excited and looking forward to the weekend. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. First of all, can you describe to some of our listeners who may not yet have been to any of your open houses, what is the core message of Open House? Well, I guess um, Open House is an independent organisation that uh, fosters public appreciation for architecture. Um, so we're interested in engaging the public in um, the future of our cities and just really getting them to um, uh, yeah, uh, t- take part in, in their city and explore it because you know, it's theirs after all as well. Uh, 
Melbourne and Ballarat first, Melbourne first, Ballarat <laughs> first, second, and now Bendigo. It sounds as if yeah. you are growing. It sounds as if you're getting a great reception. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're just kind of getting bigger and bigger, um, which is, you know, um, just, I guess, a sign of the time. Um, Victoria, um, Melbourne itself is, um, you know, as we're all aware, a very a, a growing city. Um, our population growth is just booming. Um, so I think it's 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 a good time for us to be looking at these other really large, um, significant regional cities as well, um, because they'll just play a more and more important role in um, the future. Mm. Do you, will Bendigo and Ballarat be permanent fixtures? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, that's what we that's what we'd really love. So we're hoping to return to Ballarat next year and. Um, yeah, basically return to Ballarat, uh, sorry, Bendigo, yeah. <laughs> the year after. There's a constant, um, um, it's easy to uh, uh, mix those two up, which is the, the kind of funny thing because... Because um, yeah, they hate it. From, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like Melbourne, Sydney. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so hopefully, you know, um, uh, by featuring uh, one each year, we're kind of um, getting them to outdo each other a little bit each time. <laughs> Do you think you'll expand further? Um, look, yeah, um, hopefully, yeah, but um, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, it is already a worldwide movement. I think that there is uh, uh, open houses in a, a couple of European cities already. Yeah, exactly. So it is a, a worldwide movement. Um, it was initiated in London 25 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and it now includes, I believe, uh, over 40 cities, and it's growing each year. Um so basically, it's it's pretty exciting now that um, Bendigo as well as Ballarat um, are now part of this uh, really powerful movement. So and um, just advocating for for better design cities, mm. um, yeah, worldwide. Are you beginning to see? Are there any statistics that are being uh, bought, uh, you know, read on the difference that civic participation makes in uh, in planning? Uh, look, I, I mean, I'm, I'm. It's probably a bit early, really, <laughs> all, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a tricky one for us. Um, but yeah. yeah, look, there's a lot of interest um, in that in that area in urban design, and I think um, the more that we involve the public in their city, um, the better. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, the most important thing about a city is its people, um, and basically how the city functions and um, everybody's well-being is is a massive part of that. So. Um, yeah, I think the more that we can kind of promote this idea of engaging people in these design conversations, um, the better. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure of the exact stats and data yeah. around, yeah. around that, but I know that there would be some. I can yes, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure it's a very slow process and because yeah. they're talking so big and it's, it's in its infancy, but I'll bet that is one of the focuses. Um, yeah. Uh, I assume that, you know, at Open House headquarters, when you're mm-hmm. creating these uh, events, are you thinking of, are you directing this towards politicians or developers or or the public or are, do they each get a Guernsey in terms of who you're directing, who you imagine your audience is? Yeah, look, I guess the audience is is a, um, a real kind of breakdown of all of those, all of those areas. Um, we, we, yeah, we really do gen- genuinely believe that it's it's an opportunity, though, um, first and foremost, for the general public um, to take a part in that conversation and to, I guess, um, be in the same room as these developers, all the politicians, all the architects and designers, and, um, yeah, to, to kind of extract 
extrapolate out those conversations. Um, as, as well as the kind of building tours in the program, we do offer um, some um, talks and other tours um, around these topics. So there's a chance to kind of um, have a chat with um, uh, heritage experts, um, design experts. So yeah, it's a really it's a it's a broad broad opportunity for mm. um, everyone to kind of meet. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about Bendigo this year and, and specifically, I guess, the tiny house. Yeah, um, well, it's pretty exciting. It's on the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> RACB, uh, um, yeah, great in terms of um, getting it out and about. So, yeah, it began, as you mentioned, um, in, in Melbourne, um, here in the city, and uh, we're taking it out to Bendigo. Um, and it'll be right uh, smack bang in the middle of um, town there at the Alexander Fountain. Um, and I guess it's just uh, a really um, uh, interesting way to um, uh, for them to uh, work, uh, showcase, I guess, what mm-hmm. uh, contributes to creating a home that's comfortable as well as affordable to run um, yes. and really looking at the sustainability and future of, of our homes and how we design them. Um, yeah, so I guess it's, it's this tiny, tiny little, little house. I think it's 18 square metres, um, yeah. and it's uh, yeah, it's a great way for us all to kind of challenge our own views on um, what makes us comfortable um, yes. at home. And and I, I'm sure you've been in it. What's it like? <laughs> Do you think, could you live it's in there? Exciting. Is it? Yeah, but I'm sure um, it's got everything you need. Yeah, look, I know um, it. It does. It has all the mod cons and an amazing array of. Um, all the, all the new tech, um, uh, speaker systems, take TV, uh, it, it, you know, it, the kitchen fully equipped, um, bedroom, nice big comfy bed. So yeah, it's really surprising what it fits in. Um, yeah, you'll be surprised. It actually has these kind of um, doors which, which open up and create a kind of um, courtyard or, or balcony, veranda type area as well. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not too sure if I could live in it, but I'd certainly give it a go. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the the photo of the tiny house looks lovely. In the but it's in the middle of the road. Is it just being dropped yeah. there? Or <laughs> I know I love that photo. It looks as though it's um, driving itself. It does. Around, it's it's self self driving house. Yeah. That'll be the next one, huh? Self driving tiny houses. <laughs> but um, it does move, does it? Uh, look, no, it, it doesn't. No, it not, it's not on wheels. It's buckling, no, but um, it, it is travelling across. It is travelling across. across. It must be on the yeah. trailer okay. would be my there's guess. A, there's yeah. a little, there's yeah. a little yeah. sort of uh, stove in the front where you put the <laughs> We can only hope over. that we could just, um, yeah, jump into bed and drive our home around. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so uh, how many buildings are going to be open this year at in Bendigo? Uh, okay, so um, in the program there's around uh, 25 buildings. Yep. All together, um, some of them um, have been pre-booked, but there's still about 18 um, different properties that are open for um, people to, to turn up and um, take a tour. And presumably, really, oh, sorry, beg yeah. your pardon. No, that's okay. I was just kind of going to mention some of the um, yeah the, the the highlights, I guess, um, where you can t- take an architect-led tour would be the um, Bendigo Hospital. Um, there'll be architect tours run there by Bates Smart. Um, there's also a theatre called the Alumbra Theatre and there's some local architects there called Y2 Architecture and they'll be taking tours. Um, and Fender Capsulatus um, will be running a tour of the Bendigo Art Gallery. Um, and also MGS Architects will be running tours of the Bendigo Library. So 
Yeah, there's there's lots of opportunities to um, you know really engage with on buildings of yeah. lots of different levels. It sounds yeah. really exciting. Well, Open yeah. House Bendigo is on for the weekend of the 27th and the 28th, obviously in Bendigo. To go to find out more, go to their um, the Open Houses website, which is openhousemelbourne.org. And uh, I think uh, it sounds very exciting, and I'm looking forward to perhaps actually getting up there myself. Open oh, House, uh, <laughs> advocating for better design cities by encouraging civic participation. Is that right? That's perfect. Yeah, you did it well. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brianna <laughs> Carroll. Wonderful. Cheers. Bye. Bye. And now it's time for John Paul. Oh, my goodness. I got the text right. I was, um, I wonder about tiny homes. Mm. And uh, they are very small indeed. But there's lots of tiny apartments around. That's right. And um, the feeling I gather is different if you're in a house that's tiny, rather as opposed to an apartment, which is sort of all yes lumbered in with a whole lot of other tiny apartments. Well, I know which is one I'd rather live in. The space outside and around it that makes the difference. It's uh, the lack of noise mm. and not shared walls would be my. Oh, okay. That would be a really big. The part. other question, of course, is uh, if they're if they're all stuck together like that, why are they called apartments? I don't know. Good question. <laughs> boom, boom. Well, they're together, but they're separate. Are they? Yeah. yeah. They're all separated. But the thing about the tiny houses, what I've seen is a lot of them are used for um, air, mountainous, mountainous areas that you can't get to by road, where people want to have holiday houses. Right. So they helicopter them. Oh, drop them in. Oh, yes, I've seen in. helicopters yeah. dropping them they in. They do that, yes. and they also they put them on trailers. I know people who divorce, for example, they get a tiny house, so they, they want to stay in the same house, but they want to be separate. So they get a tiny house on a trailer. Really? Mm. And then do you, you know people that have done that? I do, in wow. Riddles Creek, yes. Wow. Isn't that called a caravan? Well, it's more than a caravan because it's... A it's, galaxy. Um, well, yeah, it's. I guess it's the same thing, except that there's, as this one is, it's really high tech. You've got a very... Um, very small dishwashers and clothes washers. I'm sure caravans have all that stuff as well. Yeah, no, there's a, they're very different do, aesthetic, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And and a caravan is made to be towed behind a car, whereas these homes are presumably made to drop yes, into locations. I, I do get the difference. Yeah, he does, okay. he's just being... And they don't look very aerodynamic. Many do Over many, many, many years I've been going to Pellegrini's. Yes, we know. And all sorts of things have happened there while I've been going there. Mm. In the old days, the kitchen out the back where they had the big dining table, which is still there, uh, was a... Uh, was a, sp a space inhabited by all sorts of remarkable people uh, I think partly because Pellegrini's at the time was, apart from Carlton, was selling Italian coffee and not many other places were. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you wanted a good coffee, Pellegrini's is where you went. Absolutely. Um, and all sorts of uh, business types, politicians, actors, musicians were around that dining table in the kitchen and I had a great time out there meeting all sorts of different people. Uh, you know, of course, Sally, that I had a lunch in there with uh, Sam Angelico the Magnificent. Yes, with his dove. Outfitted in his entire uh, magician costume. And while I was having lunch with him, a dove stuck its head out of his sleeve. And he just sort of pushed it back in, and, then and I and I do also <laughs> remember another story that you told, where you you was you didn't want to move between. Uh, Colin Friels and his wife Judy 
Yeah, I had a, I was on a stool. I had spare stools on either side of me, and Judy Davis said to me, "Would you mind moving up one, and Colin and I can sit together?" And I said, "I think I'd rather sit in between you both." And she looked at me. She said, "Don't be an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's quite fierce. Yeah, she scared me. Mm. So, I, and I have to point out, Mark, that in fact, my first trip to Pellegrini's when I was uh, 20 years old. 21, actually, uh, was uh, as a result of you telling me that I should go there. Oh. And you were telling me about the Cannelloni at uh, mm. Pellegrini's and uh, the good coffee, and I went along at the age of 21, first visit. Oh, I was very lucky. My dad used to take me there as a child. Mm. It's one of the few terrific well, things he did. My father had his office in Flinders Lane, right. corner of Flinders Lane and Exhibition Street, and there used to be many, many Italian restaurants Santini's was in um, Exhibition Street, which is a lovely space. Florentino's was there quite early. You could still get, you could get good coffee, but there wasn't. Yeah. You know, it, wasn't it wasn't no, everywhere. Wasn't everywhere, no. Yeah. But um, I, you know, those in those years in the seventies, it was still early seventies. It was still. Um, I don't think the Hyatt had been built, had it? It was. I can't even remember what was there. I mean, the, that that part. Of, although your Pellegrini's is in Burke Street, I'm thinking yeah. Common Street, of course. But go on, don't let me. Um, <laughs> so. A little while ago, a couple of years ago, um, when I turned 61, I realised I'd been going to Pellegrini's for 40 years, and quite regularly, and having all sorts of experiences, and I sat there thinking about that, and Sisto, the man who runs the joint, was wandering up and down behind the bar. He's the man with the cravat, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. And I said to him, you know, I've been coming here for 40 years, and uh, he looked at me, and then he looked at the people sitting either side of me and he kind of stuck his arms out and he said, you hear that? 40 years our friend here has been coming to Pellegrini's for 40 years coming here and having his coffee. Today, the coffee, half price. <laughs> so if you want a half price coffee at Pellegrini's, you've got to put the hours in, Mark. Yeah, that's a lot of hours, <laughs> isn't it? How generous. <laughs> Is it still? I haven't been there for a while. Is it still uh, the coffee? The coffee, I guess. Oh, it's, it's still, still fabulous. The same machine, same, same people. Yeah. Nothing's changed. Absolutely yeah. but nothing. Isn't there a big mafioso influence? That oh, that's there? just because they're Italians. Yeah. You know? No, I don't think so. I think no. it's just more of a kind of Carlton football club connection than the mafia. Yeah, it's lovely. Love that. It's it's so nice that something has been remained the same for such a long time yeah. and of such high quality. It, and it happens hasn't so rarely. Well, absolutely. How about the Windsor yeah. Hotel around the corner? That's remained the same. Yes. Well, I bet, but has the food remained the same? Don't know. No, no. see, that's we the thing. Go go there. The Windsor Hotel has the biggest collection of Australian pop art. Pop art? Yeah. Pop or pop? Pop. What's pop art? Bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, aren't we allowed to say shit on this program? <laughs> <laughs> Only you, not me. I'm not allowed to say anything. You are. <laughs> you so are, Mark. You're not allowed. To, you're not being curtailed on that terrible way. No, no, it's quite all right. Um, so is that it, John? With that's you? it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's all I've got to that's say, it, that's Mark. That's all he's on about this week. It's short and sweet. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to be pretty boring. Oh, I please don't be too boring. If you have, have you planned this? John, planning to be boring on radio. If he is, if he is really boring, we're going to cut you off. All right. I'm going to bring up the the news. The dong. Yeah. Okay. If so you hear the news, just stop. All right. That's because well, you're boring. One of the most exciting things happening in the near future is the National Backyard Bird Week, 
from oh. October the 22nd to October the 28th. So don't remember. Well, that's hardly backyard, boring. A backyard bird week. <laughs> Do you know what? I just, I have to interject here because two days ago I was sitting in my garden and a wild galah came and sat on my hand and then crawled on my leg and then played a game jumping on and off my leg. A baby. It must have been a baby galah. I don't think it was. Really? They kind of I think a, it must have had... A, a galahs figured out that we're not a threat. Well, it must have figured out that I wasn't. Right. No, that's like happened to me with the, uh, the yeah. king parrot. So green came very close, didn't actually land on me. It came very close. But this happened to my father. He was playing golf at Woodlands Golf Course and a cockatoo landed on his... Uh, shoulder really? and stayed there and he brought it home. We had two cats and two dogs and the cockatoo walked in and put its wings out and its crest up and started stomping towards them and saying I'm the, I'm the, the tough yeah. guy here and they were scared. They were really, wow. He, he had respect. But, uh, so that was clearly a, um, a cockatoo that had, had been had, had been yeah, tamed. Yeah, and yeah. found out how to open the cage. I think this galah must have had some intervention in human in, interaction in its time. Galahs are fabulous. They're rare amongst birds. They, uh, I've noticed they like to hang from electric wires yes. by one foot. Yes, they're funny, aren't they? <laughs> The uh, honey eaters do that as well, they are, but they're not from electric wires, it's more from the trees you right. hang down. Just beautiful. Um, anyway, so, yes. You were going to tell us about donating your body or something? Oh, yes, people, not enough people dying, yes. Um, oh, yeah. It's just an article I read recently about the, the funeral parlours. Business is down. Business is down. Not enough people have died oh. this winter. You but notice nobody had the flu this winter. Is that the case? Is it because not people are, less people are dying or because more people are finding other ways to uh, manage their remains? Well, it's a good question. Death. I hmm. guess, I, I think most people go, I don't know what the statistics are. Because can't you do like the cardboard box these days and the vertical hole and all that sort of stuff? It depends on where you are. I don't, I'm not sure. I think hmm. I haven't sort of, I haven't looked into it that There deeply. is a blender involved somewhere, I know. I <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not from Pellegrini's. But um, they, apparently they lost 17 million last year. This, this year, sorry, they're saying, because that, um, just the fact that not enough people are dying. The, the business oh, in that, general. That could the not be possible. Well, look, that's they said in the article, but yeah. look, um, it's, uh, I'm not too concerned for them. No, they're, I'm not concerned. They're not a happy least. bunch. <laughs> Generally, no. <laughs> and now the other thing is there's an international grieving, grieve your foreskin day happening oh, November the 1st dear. this year. Where do you find ex- this except stuff? Except in Israel. Okay, so just <laughs> yeah. remember, on the 1st of November. Thanks right. for that, okay. yes. Uh, the other thing is, I went to the Perfection Exhibition in in Oh, you got there? University. You yeah. got there while it was open? No, it was still still closed, oh. so I have, still haven't seen it. Oh. But it's worth going to, apparently. Right. In, what was uh, it? What was that? The, the, the what exhibition? Perfection exhibition. Oh, in, in, in oh science, yes, yes, science yes. And yes. Yeah. That, that was at the um, Ian Potter at Monash, yes. at, at Melbourne. Yes. Yeah. Not no. since the Renaissance, according to Christopher. To Christopher, our good friend Chris. Yeah. So this, there's a company called Mural, which is doing to art what Spotify has done to music. Oh. Soon in Australia, you can pay a monthly fee, another, to access tens of thousands of artifacts, uh, artwork, sorry, and display them in a smart art frame. Oh, yeah. You can pay between $840 and $980 for a mural canvas, which is an LCD screen. Yep where software and hardware are used to offer a realistic-looking canvas with a sense of texture. A sensor reads the ambient lighting levels and adjusts the brightness to match surroundings. Fabulous. Gamma correction is used to offer authentic colours. I've been... Look, 
So you can I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that that's available, and I've been wondering who's been going to come up with something like that, because uh, the screens uh, are so good these days, uh, and art looks good on a screen. It does. And being able to own art on file so that you can look at it when you want on the screen is just a fantastic well, idea. Well, this is it. So, so for you, for example, you can put all your files up onto this. You have an app, and you can put all your own stuff onto this same screen to show it to people, mm. yeah. to look at it at night when you're all alone. No, I could sell it to them, Mark. <laughs> I could sell it to people so they yes. can look at it in, at their yes. leisure. Exactly. You could send and it to them. So fees. Well, just imagine all the new bureaucracy administration that that's also going to require. You'll still need an agent. Yeah. Anyway, subscription rates in the US are four ninety five a month right. or thirty nine ninety five a year. Mm. Uh, to access more than 40,000 paintings, photographs, drawings and illustrations. On offer are all the classics, all mm. the impressionists, people up to Jackson Pollock and probably on to even you, John. Um, but they also have um, a, uh, they have NASA photos, for, right. for the, you know, deep space photos, Condé Nast fashion so photos. So all, well. all the popular images. All the popular images. They also offer playlists to teach you about uh, art. For example, the playlist guides you through the development of a Renaissance artist, which might illustrate the develop, development, uh, his development and his relation to other people. So it's good. I like that idea. Do you think they'll mm. sell many copies of the black paintings? Look, I think it depends you could, you on You could the, turn it on and nothing would happen. No, that's true, John. But <laughs> <laughs> that's probably think, not going to be one of their big sellers, no. is it? <laughs> and then you can take photos and send them straight to the mural canvas using your, your smartphone okay. app, John. Right. So Excellent. No, that's, that's excellent. I, I mean, mural, it's called. Mural, yeah. And it's coming and you'll be able to get one. You just have another screen on your wall. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So that, I, I was looking... You know what will happen, though, of course? Um, no? What? People will be going to houses and they'll be sitting around and they'll pick up a uh, handset and point it at the paintings on the wall and try and change them. Yeah. Where's, where's the football? That's not going to happen, is it? You can't change my paintings with a handset. Well, no, I think it's... <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I think they've made the most effort to make it not look like a television set. Yeah, I know. So, I yeah. get it, yeah. yeah and I've seen, I've seen some framed television screens on which they're running imagery. Yeah. And they look great because oh, the screens are such good quality, and it's very clean and crisp. And it's clean and crisp, and backlit. It really does do. You know, really so, if you like paintings because they've got paint on them, then it's not going to suit you. No, it's also sculpture is going to be quite difficult for them to really. It's just going to oh, still yeah. be a photo. No, you need a hologram. You need a hologram. Yeah. Okay. So, just to finish with um, uh, Australian composers, mm -hmm. the first Australian composer was an Englishman, of course, called Isaac Nathan. Um, musicologist, self-publicist, who recorded, uh, ended an inventful career as the father of Australian music. He was born in 1791 and was a friend of Lord Byron and persuaded Byron to provide uh, lyrics for his uh, Hebrew melodies, which oh, are really? quite famous. Yeah. Uh, he was a little hot-headed, fought duels, was, um, had a problem with Lady Caroline Lamb, who was Lord <laughs> Melbourne's... She got around. Again, she got around, Lady <laughs> Caroline Lamb. Lord Melbourne was probably doing other things. Mm. Uh, he was a bit of a gambler, etc., etc. But he came to Australia in 1841 and wrote music for the synagogue and the Catholic Church. He gave the first performances of Mozart and Beethoven and his opera, Don John of Austria, 
was uh, was the first opera to be played in Australia on the 3rd of May, 1847. Wow, and what's his name? hasn't been heard of since, Isaac Nathan. Mm -hmm. He was also the first to research and transcribe indigenous music and set lyrics by the poet Elizabeth Hamilton Dunlop. Wow. On the 25th of March, 1864, he was also the first person in Australia and the Southern Hemisphere to be run over and killed by a newfangled horse-drawn carriage. Oh, well, he has that in common with Roland Barthes. Okay, and, um, and Gaudi. Gaudi. His descendants include the conductor Sir Charles Macarras, the hand headmaster of Sydney Grammar School, Alistair Macarras, and the I think it's getting boring now, isn't no, it? No, no. Cephologist. Have you heard of a cephologist? <laughs> no, what's a cephologist? Cephology is the vision of political science that deals with the examination as well as statistical analysis of election and polls. Uh, now, Seph, uh, uh, yes. How is it spelled? P-S-E-P-H. Oh. oh, it's an almost... It's, you can't even see into that word, so can you? So Isaac Nathan is <laughs> the one. Fabulous. Well, uh, you know what? Here we go. It's time for the end of the show. If you've just tuned in, you've missed Arts About, but you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12 or listen to the podcasts on the station website. You can also listen to us on air, streaming, or from the RWP website and phone app. We also have a Wooshka podcast address that you can find by checking into our Facebook page. So we'll be on again same time next week. Same, uh, and remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art. No. No, it's no. true, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs>